Welcome back. We missed you guys. This is part two of Good Charlotte's debut self-titled album. Let's not waste any time, Mike. Joel and Benji Madden have been waiting for us. Here we go. Here we go. Track number five, Festival Song. Third single, another huge one. This has got to be about the Hispus Festival. <laughs> the Vistus. Well, I guess we will get there eventually, but I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like this was Tommy Mackle's favorite song. I think it had to be too. In fact, I think this was the very first song that, at least when I was a member of the Gummy Bear Warriors, our middle school band, I think this was the first song that we performed with me in the band. I'm sure that, you know, Tubes and Tommy and Dave and Paul, they were probably rocking out to other stuff. But the very first band practice I went to, this was uh, a song that I was supposed to learn. So, yeah, I think this was a favorite of ours. And I think something about this song and Tom Mackle, like, makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, the opening guitar is probably really cool to shred on. And Gummy Bear Warriors had so many great guitarists. Like, I know. If you think of great bands all time, like, you got Paul, Dave, and Tom all on guitar. Incredible. Dave had to play bass. Yeah, not to mention me, Mike, you know? Yeah, that's right. You were there. You were there, too. I was there. But um, I didn't do any... I didn't text Tom and actually reach out to him about this, but I think it was his favorite song. And it's a good one. I would love for them to weigh in. Yeah. If you guys are listening, shoot us a text. Tubes, I know you're out there. I know Tubes has been listening, so... Yeah. Tubes is the only one that reached out, so everybody else do better, okay? <laughs> this is... Another one similar to what I got out of the Waldorf Worldwide message where it's them just saying that they're never going to really fit in with the role society has laid out for them. They're not going to work nine to five and you can tell them that their guitar is not going to get them anywhere. They're not going to be millionaires, but they're here to tell you that they will be successful. So in that sense, it's another song where they're kind of calling their shot and saying, just watch us. Just watch where we're able to go with this. I never really connected that to the title growing up, but now it's like, yeah, the festival song. Like That was probably their goal is to be playing these festivals and playing these huge punk shows and being considered successful in the eyes of their peers and in the eyes of those who never supported them when they were trying to, quote unquote, make it. Yeah. It's another shot of the haters. It's a big theme that Good Charlotte is known for, where they talk about making it and they say, we're going to do everything we can to get there. I did read, Mike, that it is a reference to the festival that we mentioned earlier, the HF Festival, which is a festival that they grew up going to in the, you know, DC, Baltimore area. And then all of a sudden, when they released this album, 
they were slated to perform at that festival. So yeah, this was like their moment where it was like, guys, even though you've been talking shit about us, we made it. We're playing at this festival that we grew up attending, which has to be such an amazing moment for any band or any musical artist to be actually headlining a concert that you've seen from the other side. I think that's got to be such a unique experience. Especially in your hometown, too, to go from being a member of the crowd to being the one performing. Like, I'm sure it's the same thing for athletes to go from being a spectator to being down on a field or on a court, living their dream in front of these adoring fans. It has to be very surreal. The music video for this is a live documentation of their performance at that festival. And I thought it was very cool. It was in a very large stadium, which was pretty awesome, too. Yeah. I wonder what stadium that was. You think it was like the Raven Stadium or maybe the Washington football team stadium? Yeah, probably one of them. And I think FedEx Field was around back then, but I think the Raven Stadium. Actually, you know what? The Ravens were an expansion team Yeah, right around this time. And That's their right. stadium would have been way nicer than the one they're playing in. So maybe it's FedEx Field where the... Our words. Commanders. Yeah, commanders yeah. play. <laughs> Former Redskins, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I saw that, but you're right. It was a humongous stadium. I mean, it could have been could have been any stadium, really, but it did look big. But yeah, I love those music videos, Mike. We talk about it all the time, but the, the tour videos or the concert videos are always my favorite because I just love seeing bands perform. But yeah, this was a fun one. And now that you know the backstory of them growing up attending that festival and all of a sudden they're on stage at it, it makes it even more significant. Sorry, I was looking up where the HF Festival was held. Would you like to know? Yes, I would. It had traditionally been held at RFK Stadium until the radio station that hosted it moved to Baltimore in 2005. And they then hosted it at M&T Bank Stadium, which is where the Ravens played. Oh, there you go. RFK Memorial Stadium is where the Redskins played until 1996. So it was the former Redskins Stadium. Oh, okay. Interesting. So... They performed this festival at both. Yeah, technically we were right. Kind of cool. We were right on all fronts. Right on all counts. <laughs> it's fun not being wrong. If you just say enough stuff, either yeah. some of it's going to be right or all of it's going to be right. Track number six, Complicated. Mike, is this about your relationship with Abby? Uh, it could be, Keenan. It could be. This is an unusual one. This has always been my favorite song on this album. Oh, this is your favorite song? Yeah. Huh. It's kind of a deep track. I was actually thinking this is the part of the album where it kind of takes a turn for me, where it's not that I don't like the second half of this album, but I just never really listened to these songs as much as I listened to the first, you know, four or five. Those were like the big ones. Obviously, those were all the singles. Those are the ones that I really, really liked. And some of these I was kind of rediscovering again 
for the second, third time. But uh, yeah, they're all really good. Why do you like this one so much? It's a bit of a slower one. It's slow during the verses. It's similar to some of the other tracks we discussed where it's like almost like a rap to start off the song. Yeah, you're right. One time for your mind, your body, and your soul. Every time that I rhyme, you know I'm in control. Oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, this is all about their dad leaving. And uh, it's an interesting song. I think what makes it my favorite, though, is the chorus is so catchy. It's like this sing-songy chorus where it just always stuck with me. And I always thought the verses were cool. Like I thought the way Joel sang it just always resonated with me. Like You can feel his emotion from my perspective when he's singing about his dad, like how he left them one little room with a black and white TV, one eviction notice, and a bill for therapy. Like It was a very like, powerful, emotional track from Joel's perspective. So I don't know. It was just one that I always liked and listening to it again. It was a pleasant surprise when it came on because you're right. For the most part, when you revisit one or two songs, you are going to go back to the big singles. But I realize why I love this song for so long. Yeah. You do get that sense of pain whenever they talk about their dad. And it's something that's been sort of memed to the end of days where, you know, that fuck you dad meme. Mm-hmm. Good Charlotte was known for it. We talked about it in Young and the Hopeless because there were a couple songs dedicated to their dad in that one too. But it really started with these. They drop a quick reference to their dad in Little Things. Dick. They drop a reference to their dad in Waldorf Worldwide. But this is the first song that's really dedicated to their dad. And it really makes you think like, for better or for worse, they've become very successful from this one deadbeat father of theirs. But I always thought that was such an interesting concept, like commercializing their tragedy Maybe in a way it's therapeutic for them, like it's a way for them to get their emotions out there and really explore and unpack those things. But I also thought like, okay, they're also making a shit ton of money off this. Like, where do you draw that line? But for them, I do think it's genuine. And I think you're picking up on that, like this song sounds really genuine and that's why you like it so much. I think what you mentioned about being therapeutic and a way of coping for them is accurate because my big takeaway from the song is they're saying... It's complicated. And then one of the lines is this feeling is love. So I think from their perspective, they're thinking like they still want adoration and affection from their dad or just for him to be in their lives, period, whatsoever. And I think they're saying it's complicated because they still have this want and this need for him, even though he's put them through so much BS and he's done so much to their family. uh, There's still this complicated internal struggle that they have to overcome isn't that what hey dad in the young the hopeless was all about too it was like dad you've done all these things to betray us and hurt us but at the end of the day you're still our dad and we still have these lingering feelings isn't that kind of what they admitted to in that song this feels pretty similar yeah very similar they say in that one i miss you and maybe that's why i always like this one too like i can't relate my dad's an incredible dad and has always been there for me. Yeah, your dad's very much still in the picture. In fact, we are considering bringing him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Besides good Charlotte's dad, we've talked about him more than any other dad on this show. That's true, yep. But I think any son can relate to that father-son dynamic. It's a special bond, and for them to be this raw and vulnerable and saying, like, yeah, everything you did was really messed up, but, like, We still miss you. We still love you. Please come home. And I don't know. Then I dig deeper in my mind and it's like going off the lyrics. 
the dad went to therapy. They're saying he's sitting at a bar all alone. And we know from story of my old man on Young and the Hopeless, he got that same disease that his father had. So it seems like a family of alcoholics that are not addressing the issue and just are abandoning their families. So I don't know. I think now looking back, it might be cliche, but when they first put this out, it was before they were huge and famous and it does become meme like how many songs they have talking about their dad. But I still think this is yeah. kind of the OG, in my opinion. Well, I had to do some exploring and I think we did similar deep diving when we did the Young and the Hopeless album, but they have tried to reunite with their father for the years. I think in 2008, they had this big reunion and things were kind of okay between them and their father for a while, but it sounds like their dad still had all these struggles. He, you know, got a bunch of DUIs in like the 2012, 2014 timeframe. He was sort of in and out of rehab stints and he did pass away. I think we talked about it, but he did pass away in 2019 I found his obituary yet again. So they had a pretty complicated relationship. I think after their fame, they tried to patch things up, but I don't think it ever really got back to where it was. Yeah, the relationship definitely was complicated. Track number seven, Seasons. Summer air reminds me of all the feelings of your love and what it was like when we were together. Walking all along the beach, you were never far from a reach, and you held me through stormy weather. And I, I wanna fall in love tonight. And I remember when you said everything. This one is very much a slower jam, almost ballad-like. It is ballad-like, but don't forget, Keenan, on the chorus, they have that guitar surge. That's right, they do. You can have, uh, you know, some powerful guitars even in ballads. I know we talked about it, I just can't get around it, I just want one more night with you. As far as GC goes, this is definitely the ballad of the album. And it's about one of our favorite pop punk themes, Summer Love and Keenan. Summer Love. God, it always comes up and it's always such a crowd favorite. But yeah, Summer Love, Mike. Camp Love, Beach Love, all the good loves. This is right on the nose, too. Like, we've done some real, like, in depth analysis of these types of songs before. This one basically just says, like, I loved you when it was sunny. And um, now it's cold and dark and stormy and you've gone away. Like they just say, you've gone away. Yeah, that's it. It's a uh, summer fling. It's fleeting. It's temporary. It had me thinking summer must be the most romantic season. I don't know. I just feel like all these songs about summer flings. And I think back to my life and I do feel like most of my serious relationships really blossomed in the summers. Something about that season, Mike. It's hot. It's steamy. It's hot. The weather's nice. Everybody's in bikinis and speedos. Yeah. 
You can do more things. People are wearing less clothing. It's a little bit more like scandalous to see a girl's bare shoulders for the first time. Like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. You know, to see um, girls in our class that were wearing like starchy polos every day and then you go to a pool party over the summer. It's like, oh, my goodness. Dude, those pool parties were I think scandalous is the word for it. They really weren't. But from our uh, prude 13-year-old perspective, it was like, wow, like we're at a pool party and there's girls here. Because yeah. we were used to just hanging out with the fellas. <laughs> <laughs> fellas. Yeah. Doesn't really start to notice things. You're right, though. There's something about the summer. and uh, Is summer your favorite season? What's your favorite season? I think fall slash autumn. Me too. Whatever you prefer. Yeah. Fall. It's my favorite season. Great weather. I'm a little bit uh, huskier than some, so I like the insulation. I don't sweat as much. I can wear like a nice sweater. I like that. Having less sweat is always nice. Summers get too sweaty. It's nice accessorizing. I like to accessorize my outfits. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I do know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay, we agree. Good song, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wish it was about fall, but it's still a good song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do our favorite season fall dirty in this one, Keenan. Yeah. Well, do they, though? October reminds me of all the seasons of your love and what it was like when we were together. The smell of fall is everywhere, and though it seems, I just don't care because now you've gone away. Mm, yeah. Okay. Boom. They say it themselves. I think we liked fall because we never had summer romances, and <laughs> it was fine for us. We're like, all right, let's just get back to school and call it a day. Football's on. But for people who were... Getting down, I guess, in the summer, it was sad. Yeah, football is starting. You know, you got to see how your team's playing every weekend. You got other things on your mind. Agreed. Track number eight, I Don't Want to Stop. All these games you play, you're messing with my head. You're messing with my head. And I don't know why I say I should leave instead. I should leave instead. When I speak from my heart, you laugh like it's a game. This was a pretty cool one, Mike. It was definitely different sounding. I got almost like a doo-wop feel from it. Yeah. Like the rhythm and timing of it was very like, I don't know, very old timey. Yeah. They say, ooh, yeah. Do a little like one, two. They literally do ba-doo-ba-doos in this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This one is also about our relationship, Keenan. Go figure. Go figure. I thought it was maybe a little bit of a different kind of relationship because the chorus is, I know this is not the way it should be, and I know you treat him like me. Ba-doo-ba-doo-ba-doo-ba-doo. But I don't want to stop. So I always thought, is this like a love triangle? He's seeing this girl who he's hooking up with or he's, I guess, in a relationship with also with another guy. And she's doing this to the both of them, but he still wants her. Yeah. She's two-timing him, essentially. 
I thought it was similar, maybe a little bit different. Definitely unrequited love, but I got the sense that it was him falling for a friend who's already in a relationship. Ooh, I like that too. Like he was envious of this friend that he's all of a sudden fallen for, but she already has this boyfriend. He doesn't want to be that guy who's going to be a homewrecker. He knows it's wrong to have these feelings, but he really just can't help himself. Uh, That's what I was hearing. I could see that too. There's something about Forbidden Love, Mike, that's just very exciting. We've heard it time and time again. Yeah. This song also has a lot of great kind of cheesy lyrics looking back at it. Like most doo-wop songs, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm sure when they wrote them, they thought it was pretty cool, but it was like the one line where I don't need you to buy me pretty things, pay for my tattoos, or buy me diamond rings. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Who's doing that? You don't have to buy me my tattoos or a diamond ring, girl. That stuff's probably pretty expensive, though, so... Yeah, that's true. It's probably a good gift. They're on uh, welfare. They want to know the meaning of a Christmas list. and they're... That's right. Now I guess they can afford <laughs> tattoos and diamond rings on their own. Yeah. What a turnaround the second half of this album has. <laughs> yeah. Great harmonizing, too. Again, I think I can say that for every song, but that... Wanna stop. Which leads into the sick uh, guitar transition to the next song. stop you mean track number nine i heard you that was the one i was thinking of This one is yet another loser anthem, Mike. Do you like that reference to uh, the anthem on The Young and the Hopeless? Oh, that just clicked for me. <laughs> the click? Oh. <laughs> I don't want to stop, Mike. <laughs> Holy cow, Kenan. We probably should. But yeah, it's uh, it's all about this girl not being into him. And uh, they do another talking in the opening verse. Another dedicated song to the people that, you know, beat their butt up and down the the schoolyard or whatever. It says, for all the popular kids, listen up. Come on, come on, come on. So they're just saying, hey, cool kids, listen to me sing a song about what a loser I am. So did you think that this song was about being rejected by the popular girl in school? Honestly, I think it can relate back to that line in Little Things where... The girl breaks up with him because he wasn't cool enough. So maybe it was a relationship he was in at one point, but then she kind of moved on to somebody she deemed to be better from a social stature perspective. Because he says that he sees her at her t-shirt stand with her new boyfriend. He's really cool. I get the point. So uh, he believes that it was done out of just her desire to be with somebody that was more popular and more cool than he was. I think that he's definitely being rejected and maybe even more than rejected. He's being actively ridiculed by this girl and her friends, which is the popular group. But I listened to this a few times, actually, because I wasn't sure I fully understood it. And I think what he's actually saying is 
he doesn't want to be with her. Like she thinks he wants to be with her, but he's saying, oh, you're so vain. You think every guy wants to be with you, even the, you know, the rejects and losers, but we don't want that at all. Get over yourself. That's not what we want. We're not that attracted to you. That would explain his, all the popular kids listen up. It's like, oh, we want to clue you guys in on something. This is really how we feel. And so despite what this girl thinks, he doesn't envy her. He doesn't want to date her. That was what I heard listening to it a few more times, which makes it kind of a more interesting song, in my opinion. That's definitely an edgier take, Keenan. Like, you can't call me a loser because you're a loser because I don't want to be cool. Like, I don't want to be popular. Yeah. You're basically just twisting it around like, oh, I'm actually in control here. Yeah. Or maybe that's just a front and maybe he's saying, no, I'm not actually into you. But deep down he is. He just doesn't look like an idiot. I think he still is because the end where he talks about her new boyfriend's a football player that tortures him. Yeah. The 6'3 quarterback on varsity. Yeah. They're saying that you're not interested in a girl and then saying like, I know that I'm not fitting in. Why am I doing this to myself again? I don't know. I feel like he's maybe losing confidence over this girl. But you could definitely be right that. He's not interested in her when he takes a moment to reflect on his life versus her life. Because as uh, I detailed in my analysis on Blink's story of a lonely guy, the hot, popular girls aren't always the ones worth going to the dance with, Keenan. That's exactly right, Mike. They're just going to, you know, let you down and put you in your place and call you an ugly, fat piece of crap. (laughs) That didn't happen. But what if it did? Uh, That would be... Kind of exciting and something we should probably discuss. When he says that he walked by her t-shirt stand, I've always envisioned like a little stand in the middle of a mall, like in between the stores. Uh-huh. Is that what you thought when you heard this song? Have you seen the TV show Arrested Development? Yes. Do you know like the banana stand? I know they don't sell t-shirts there, but you know the banana stand where it's like this tiny little hut yeah. in the middle of like, I don't know, whatever that is, like a little town square area. Yeah. So you think of a little hut? I kind of think of a little hut in the middle of like a popular downtown area. Okay. I also thought since they're East Coast until they die, maybe it was like a shore setting. Oh, They have yeah. all the t-shirt stands and stuff on the boardwalks. I think that's more of what I picture actually, yeah, now that you mention it. Yeah. But mall culture was so big at this point in time that, I don't know, the malls always have like random t-shirt stands too. So I don't know. For whatever reason, I've always envisioned that when I listen to the song. Yeah. So that's all. It. Track number 10, Walk By. Mike, Walk By. Is this song about uh, what all the girls used to do to you when they would see you in public? Uh, Keenan, that would actually be more appropriate to call it Run By. Okay. <laughs> Run Away, I think sprint, is what I'm going for. Sprint yeah. Away. <laughs> uh, yeah. She walks down to the store today. The devil This one has a different sound too. It's, I don't know. They're channeling more like harder rock sound, aren't they? I love that intro guitar verse. They literally yell rock and roll, Keenan. So <laughs> I know. If if you're not <laughs> expecting it, you will be after that. Yep. 
But yeah, it's a little bit of a harder sound. The verses are more melodic, and I feel like we've had a couple songs in a row that are about fitting in and being different and having a bad dad and girls hating you and making it in life. This one has a theme that I don't think any song I've ever listened to has, or I haven't come across another one that's quite like this one. It's a bit of an, a story song, I guess you could say. I think there's a story or narrative element to it, sure. It's essentially, Joel is interested in dating this girl whose father is Satan. <laughs> and well. his mother, his God-fearing mother, who we'll learn about later on the album, she was a God-fearing woman. Yeah. Uh, she told him to stay away from girls like this one, who is a demon, a demon woman. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, he thinks that Satan is trying to make him his son-in-law. So, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, I was like listening to it again. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I just sounded insane explaining it. That's kind of what it's about, right? Well, you seem to be going in the very literal direction of what this song's about. Yes, whereas, I was taking it literally. Whereas I thought way more metaphorical. You're right. They do reference like the devil and, you know, her dad being Satan, all this stuff. But I think they're really just saying that she's like a quote-unquote devil woman. <laughs> Kina, Kina, Kina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love your imagination here, but um, come on, Mike. These are sophisticated writers. It's Joel and Benji Madden. Everything's a metaphor. They're saying that she's just trouble. They don't want to get involved with a woman who's going to be troublesome. Yes, you're probably right. I think what makes me find pause with it is it's so wordy. The way they describe things. That is true. They use way more detail and description than they need to. Like the line, eagles fly when she walks by. She caught my eye on October 9th, 22 days before Halloween. How did I know she'd be my evil queen? Like that whole verse is not necessary. Yeah. The last line is like what they're getting at. But they put in a bunch of random math for when Halloween is on the <laughs> yeah. calendar. Like, <laughs> I was so confused by that that I had to look up like 22 October plus 9th must be some sort of holiday or event or a birthday. I found nothing. I have no idea what the reference to October 9th is. Or maybe it's literally a reference to like an ex-girlfriend of theirs that they met on that date and that date stands out in their mind. I have no idea what it means. I really just think they wrote it because... It sounded good when they said, 22 days before Halloween. I guess. Like, why is Blink-182 180? Like, it's just whatever sounds good, you know? Yeah, I suppose. And nine rhymes with I. She caught my eye on October 9th. Yeah. So. Just a rhyme. You're right. I couldn't find anything that's, like, noteworthy of that day. But I think as GC fans and GC stands, I think that's a cool day to celebrate. We should have, like, a little GC party on October 9th each year. Yeah. If we can remember it uh, nine, ten months from now, which we will. Just remember, Keenan, it's 22 days before Halloween. Simple. You're right. So simple. Simple math. The one thing I do picture when I hear this song, do you remember that movie Bedazzled starring Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley? Can you picture like scenes from that or a poster or anything? I feel like the only poster I'm thinking of is like just the two of them on the cover. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've never seen it. Okay, I think I've seen it a long time ago, but I don't remember much about it. Brendan Fraser is the main character, and he meets the devil, who's Elizabeth Hurley. But she's this woman who's dressed in, like, 
all red leather suits, essentially. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just picture the girl they describe in the song. I picture Elizabeth Hurley from the movie Bedazzled, which, by the way, came out in October 2000. So they could have been thinking about her and they could have been thinking about this movie when they wrote this song. That movie looks as on the nose as my analysis of the meaning of this song. Yeah. Maybe it's all interconnected here. Elizabeth Hurley is one good looking chick. She doesn't look bad. That's for sure. She had a moment. Austin Powers. She had a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. More than we've had. (laughs) Uh, Track number 11, Let Me Go. Is this what Abby's thinking when she's hugging you? Yeah, when the girls tried to run by me, I would grab them, and then they would yell, (laughs) let me go. (laughs) And then we'll get to the song where I'm restrained and brought in for questioning. All right, here we go, Mike. Yet another DC reference. (laughs) Good Charlotte. We get it, guys. We know where you're from. They love the streets of DC, Keenan. They do. On the East Coast where they live. They walk on the streets. They're down in the streets. But this one, like, whereas East Coast Anthem was more, as we (laughs) previously discussed, uh, pessimistic and spoke more of how it's hard to get out of places like that that are tough places to live i feel like this one is seeing the good like the the fun times you had being a delinquent juvenile in life with your friends so there's definitely that aspect to it where you're reflecting on like the fun times of being a miscreant but there's also this element of like moving on from that and i couldn't decide if it was about ending a romantic relationship with somebody like you're moving on from relationship you just broke up something like that or if it was about moving away from your hometown and saying goodbye to your friends like oh we had all these great times together getting into trouble and stuff but now we're maturing and moving on and doing our own things i was thinking probably the latter i thought it was more about saying goodbye to your hometown homies and spreading your wings yeah i could definitely see that like reminiscing about the good times but then realizing that there are plans for you in life you're destined to do more than just hang around and get high with the same people that you've hung around and gotten high with for the past 15 years of your life or whatever. So yeah, it kind of always reminds me of like one movie I have seen, like the end of Go Will Hunting where Matt Damon, Ben Affleck tells him like the best part of my day is every day when I'm on my way to pick you up. And I just think maybe there's a chance you're not going to be there when I arrive. Yeah. Like maybe you're going to leave and like make something out of your life and that'll make, me happier than just seeing you every day would i kind of get that same emotion like man it was fun but like we were punk ass kids but it's time to grow up a little bit time to do big things in life yeah there's a couple times in our life where i think this is super applicable one would be after high school and everybody moving on to college and you have again that one summer that is just like you can unwind and have fun we've talked about summer going into freshman year college 
over and over again because it's so memorable. I think another one is your senior year of college when everybody is getting jobs and moving on and starting lives and starting families. And you're like, oh man, I'm never going to see all these people in the same place at the same time. Or if I do, it's going to be like very rare moments here and there if it's a college reunion or somebody's wedding or you know a big birthday. But otherwise, you're really not going to have those moments or memories again. I was thinking about that, which is kind of a, I don't know, it's a nice emotion, but it's also a sad emotion at the same time. It's kind of hard to describe. Yeah. It's one that you reflect back on so fondly. Like, it's not that you take it for granted, but you just never consider, you know, the four years I was at college, I never considered that the whole nucleus of every friendship I had, again, you were my friend too, but I'm never going to be at a point in my life again where like, all my friends live within like a four or five mile radius of where I currently am. Yeah. Or like in the same building. Yeah. Most of them is like four blocks or, you know, four doors down the hall. Right. Three doors, three doors down. <laughs> three doors down. So I do look back on that sometimes and think like, man, that was fun. Like it was just so easy to do shit. Yeah. You just like, what do you want to do tonight? Get some 40s and watch TV and then like see where the night takes us. Like. Yep. And that's the kind of stuff that you can do at that age because you don't have too many other pressing things to tend to in life. So I think you're right. This could be them reaching that point in their lives where they kind of have to leave the slacking off behind and just move on to, you know, whatever's next. We definitely took those days for granted, Mike, but it's all good. We can just appreciate that we had those times. Yeah, definitely, Keenan. We should live in the past as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Abby and I as parents when you know there are some long days and uh we'll lay in bed at night and we'll just say like man wasn't it nice back when you could just like drink 240s and like walk across town to a bar and just stay out till two in the morning and not care about how you got home or whatever and then now you have to like keep humans alive like every second of every day you're concerned with their well-being and therefore concerned about you know how you treat yourself and trying to take better care of yourself to be around for them as long as possible mike if it makes you feel better i can still do all those things <laughs> so you can just live vicariously through me <laughs> yeah i kind of do you um texted me one time you and uh coach kira shout out coach kira huge fan of the pod huge blink fan shout out i don't know it was a random wednesday night or thursday night and we were texting something about this show or whatever. And I was like, what are you up to? You're like, oh, we're out at Chestnut Hill doing some trivia. Yeah. You should come out sometime. I'm like, I'm in bed. I'm about to like <laughs> pass out. So uh, I appreciate the invitation, but um, I won't be any fun. I'm not going to enhance your experience. So yeah, I guess we should just let you go, Mike. I do appreciate you still trying to hold on to Keenan. Track number 12, Screamer. Mike, is this about uh, girls that see your face for the first time? After the girls walk by slash run by me and I grab them and they <laughs> they scream, let me go. And then they just keep screaming <laughs> like screamer. <laughs> I guess we. Sh I don't want to keep profiling myself as some like pest. <laughs> I want everybody to know that I don't do that. I don't treat people that way. Well, you do and you don't, you know. Yes. Keenan, this is about the girls that see my face. Okay. Perfect. Happy. Yes, I am happy. Thank you.
Okay, I got a quick doppelganger. It's not a great one, Mike. The intro of this song sounds like this. It is a little reminiscent of the song Moving On, which is a good Charlotte song on The Young and the Hopeless. I think it's the last song on that record, but mm. different, but kind of a similar feeling to that intro, which sounds like this. Can hear that right yeah i can that intro it seems like the intro especially like sometimes bands write pieces of songs or songs that like for example steven tyler wrote dream on when he was like 15 or 16 years old mm-hmm. like he had no right writing a song that great a timeless song like that at such a young age this guitar intro is like that for me i never got that doppelganger although i do hear it I think of this as like an epic 80s metal band, like Sweet Child of Mine, like how timeless that intro is. Yeah. I'm not going to put this on the same level, but you hear it and you're like, okay, I wasn't expecting this to come out of a good Charlotte debut self-titled album from 2000. Yeah. I thought it almost had like a U2 kind of sound to it. And I don't listen to a whole lot of U2, but I've heard, you know, their big hits. And I thought, oh, this is like something that The Edge might write. Maybe I'm giving way too much credit to to Benji Madden and Billy Martin, but I thought it sounded like that genre of band. For sure. I love all these songs, but this is one like very underrated when you get to this one on the album and it's almost done. You're not expecting much, but you're like, oh, this song kind of like. Yeah, I agree. It's a good song. It's fantastic. And I'd really like to know your take on the rest of it, because aside from the awesome guitar intro, from my experience, this song is nearly nonsensical <laughs> oh i thought it was just generally about being a dreamer and acknowledging the fact that you're somebody who can think big and you just want your voice heard it's almost as if you're an optimist surrounded by pessimists and you're trying to overcome those pessimists with your optimism that's what i thought i thought it was kind of a positive message that's true you say that i'm a dreamer i say you're a non-believer exactly kind of similar to what we've seen where you know these guys are believing in themselves, taking a risk on themselves, and all the naysayers be damned. Yeah. It's just another spin on that. It's them thinking that they can be these big stars one day and people telling them they can, and this is their reaction to that. What would you say is a screamer, though? Maybe that's the part that has me most baffled. Is that just somebody that's, like, nagging you in your ear, like, the negative voices that you hear when you're trying to dream and be positive? They do use Screamer a couple different times in the song, and I'm not sure it's always the same meaning. But my best guess is the Screamer is referring to themselves. Like, they're the people that are going to scream over the naysayers. Like, they want to have their positive voice heard. That's what I thought. Okay. I'll go with it. When I hear Screamer, this is a very specific catered reference, but... Do you think of the painting The Scream? No, by Edvard Munch, which we've discussed before. It's been stolen and returned so many times we've lost <laughs> count. My wife's mom, my mother-in-law, Marie. Hi, Marie. Love you, Marie. Uh, she's from a small 
town in Schuylkill County, a small coal town out in uh, coal country, PA, called <laughs> Gerardville. And there's this little yeah. uh, joint there called Tony's Lunch. And they have a famous sandwich called a Screamer. Oh. Yeah. Can I guess what's in it? Sure. Okay. Uh, roast beef? Nope. Pastrami? Nope. Turkey? Nope. Ham? Nope. What? Tuna? Check this out. Okay. The screamer is a huge hunk of fresh ground beef. Oh. Did you say that? No. <laughs> you said roast beef, not. right? Yeah. Uh, fresh ground beef topped with a dark chili sauce, oh. preferably SOS, sauce on both sides, uh-huh. quick cheese, unmelted, and are you ready? Marshmallow fluff. What? Yep. Okay. That's controversial. Yeah. I would definitely try it though. Have you tried it? Uh yeah, it's the it's the um the hot and the sweet and the savory all together is pretty good. Mm. It's tough to try it though because Tony's lunch, their hours are like seven at night to two in the morning. That's it? Yeah, it's crazy. Oh man. That sounds like something you would sell on like a college campus at that time. Exactly. I'm sure all the college kids would eat that extremely drunk slash hungover. Exactly. It belongs in a college town being sold out of a food truck, not in a dying coal town where, like, it's not getting any more populated. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely agree with you. Sounds good, though. Yeah. That's my screamer. Maybe we can do a couple homemade ones at some point. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm coming over for dinner. Let's shift the direction <laughs> of this to the cooking side of things. We've we've exhausted all our options on the pop punk side. We certainly have. Just kidding. And the final track of the album, Lucky Number 13, Change. Mike, isn't this what you are typically begging for on the street corners? Uh, yeah, Keenan, after I'm released <laughs> and uh, I'm down on my luck, you know, people misinterpreted my affection for something else. I'm left begging for change. Gotcha. Okay. I am uh, want to know the meaning of a Christmas list. So I think it's pretty interesting, Mike. They're ending the album on a super slow and emotional song, which I think is about losing a loved one, right? And you're trying to hold on to them. Yeah, that's interesting, Ken. This one always has taken me by surprise because I really think it's a very good slow song. Again, for a young band, I think it's beyond their years, quite frankly. But maybe you're right. Maybe it is the ending of something. But from Joel's perspective, he's looking back at this really good thing and trying to relive it. So I always took it as just appreciating what you have, but you know, the way you've spun it, you could definitely be onto something there where this was a great thing that he had. And he says, he's trying to reach her. Whereas I always just thought it was like, 
things you say to somebody you love, like it could be somebody you love, but are also in the process of losing or have already lost. Yeah. Well, there's definitely references to like the happy times and all the good things that these two people have been through. But I think that's almost him trying to convince them that things are good when they really aren't. So yeah, I don't know. For me, it was more about a couple drifting apart over time. That's what the change is referring to. It's like these two people have changed and they can't recapture that amazing feeling that they used to have. I don't know. I think it's like one person, whoever the lead singer is, trying desperately to relive those glory days, but ultimately failing. So, Yeah. I mean, you're probably right because he says trying to hold on over and over again. And that doesn't yeah. sound like, you know, doesn't sound like things are going good if you're desperately trying to hold on to them. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think maybe the reason I always saw it as a positive is like the description is really nice in this song. Like the way he describes falling in love, even before I ever experienced what that was like, this song kind of, I think, does a nice job. He sings, you've got me thinking back to the first time that I met you standing in a crowded room, but I could only see you. And um, I feel like everybody's been in that situation where you're in a place and your eyes just lock in on somebody. And, you know, sometimes you fall in love with them and have a long, prosperous relationship with them. Sometimes they break your heart. But I just thought the way that he expressed that was a cool thing. And especially helps when I was 13 when I first heard it. But even now, I think it's a pretty way of thinking about meeting somebody that you have loved in your life for the first time. Yeah. Well, regardless of what it's about, it's definitely a nice sounding song. And like you said, it's impressive that such a young, you know, relatively immature band can come up with such intense emotions. It's a pretty powerful way to end the album, in my opinion. Except. Yeah. <laughs> Except. It's not really the end of the album, and we don't typically talk about bonus tracks, but the way they end the album is not with a bonus track. It's actually with a hidden track at the end of this track number 13. Isn't that right, Mike? It is, Keenan. This is another thing we run into with the internet. Back in our day, you let the CD keep playing. Eventually, you would get to this hidden track. Now, it's specifically pointed out in Wikipedia and Spotify. It's like a separate song. That's not the way they intended it. That's not... No. The original artist intended. This is so wrong. Takes all the fun out of it a little bit. Takes the creativity out of it. You're right. It does. But they do end the album with kind of a nice song thanking their mom, right? And I think for them, clearly they come from a broken home. They had a dad who didn't support them, didn't love them, didn't appreciate them. We've heard all these you know, songs from this album of the people around them, their classmates and their contemporaries. And even sometimes, you know, the people that they're close with and their relationships are all ending. It's nice to have somebody in their life that they can actually trust and count on. And clearly that's their mom. You were my mom, you were my dad, the only thing I ever had to It's true. Even when the time got hard, you were there to let us know. We get through. Yeah, their mom seems like a pretty incredible woman, Keenan. And I just wanted to reference my CD booklet once again, because 
all the lyrics to the song are included, but it's almost like a note at the very end. It just says, thank you, mom. And then beneath it, the lyrics are written out as if it's a letter to her, which I guess essentially it is just in a song form. Right. But yeah, they really go into great detail saying how she was always there for them. They say, you were our mom, you were our dad. You just did everything. And going back to the evil demon woman, they say, you taught me how to love my God. So every facet of their life, she tried to make sure they were well-rounded individuals, despite the very tough hand that she was dealt. In revisiting their father, I've noticed that they don't use their father's name. So even down to the name Madden is, you know, a tribute to the mother that raised them. Nice, wholesome way to close it out, Mike. Mom's rock. Love you, Mom. Love you, Mom. What an awesome, complete album from Good Charlotte Keenan. I still feel the same way I felt when I first listened to it way back when. I think it has a lot of relatable things that kids growing up, whether you know, you're know you currently a kid listening to this, as I was when I first heard it, or an adult reflecting back on my youth and where I'm at in my life today, there's just a lot of things that I think everybody can relate to. The not fitting in, adjusting, finding your way in life. Getting there eventually, even when it feels like you're never going to make it. These guys are telling you that, yes, you are. And it's okay to be different. It's okay to be lame because that's what makes you you. Maybe you're lame to some people, but you're cool to other people. And I think that's important. And I think as a young person, that was important for me to hear these cool guys give me that message. Yeah, they're so cool. Sure, the coolest. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It was super relatable stuff. There's also this theme of yearning for something more. They were constantly talking about making it big, being successful, finding fame and fortune. At the end of the day, Good Charlotte were just a bunch of punk kids trying to make it and were surrounded by all these haters and doubters. So they constantly felt like they had something to prove and something to overcome, which I thought was cool, and I thought that was also fairly relatable. I also have a ton of great memories about this album. It's a soundtrack that puts me right back in little moments of my life. Like we talked about, we listened to this album together a lot. Actually, of all the albums we've discussed over the past couple years, I feel like we have probably listened to the songs on this album the most together, which is pretty cool. A lot of the albums will listen to one or two songs, but this one, we put it on in the car and we just let it play. So. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you, Keenan. This is an important album for our friendship, and it goes way back, and it just reminds me that, uh, like these songs, you're always going to be there for me. So Aww. I love you, Mom, Keenan. <laughs> oh, you almost nailed that. You were my mom, and you were my dad, Keenan. Oh, Mike, that's so nice of you to say. But you're right. Out of all the albums, this one is probably one that connects us so closely. And I, too, cherish those memories singing these songs with you. I think GC was one of the bands that initially 
got me into pop punk and emo music. I saw the guys around me like you and Tubes and Tommy and Paul and Dave all listening to Charlotte. And I think that's what I decided I wanted to do so that I can, you know, hang out with you guys. And it was also the band that the Gun Bear Warriors, our middle school band, covered the most. And I think ultimately it was the band that helped me form these long lasting relationships like the one I have with you, Mike. So, yeah, I think you're right. This one is pretty special to me. And I think it's special to us. Yeah, you nailed it, Keenan. I think Good Charlotte definitely holds a special place for me. Like, we might have mentioned it on Young and the Hopeless, but we actually came up with the whole idea for this podcast when we were talking about Good Charlotte. So That's true. Good call. They still hold a dear place in our lives many years later, despite, you know, really not keeping tabs on them. I think Young and the Hopeless really got me into Good Charlotte, and this album just fortified my appreciation and love for them at a very young age and yeah like you said was really my foray into the whole genre so thanks gc I really enjoyed revisiting that one, if you might. A lot of great songs in there. A lot of songs that I was listening to for the first time in a while, actually. But overall, fantastic album. Next week, we're going to discuss a band that I actually equate pretty closely with Good Charlotte. We'll be discussing Simple Plan's album, Still Not Getting Any. Talk about Poser, Simple Plan. We know from way back that they were a band manufactured by a record label to sell albums. Yep. Not real punk. Everybody knows it. But I'm still willing to discuss this album with you next week. Can't wait. Until then, reach out if you'd like to, you know, get in touch. We love hearing from you. Poppunkproject@gmail.com on Instagram and Twitter at poppunkproject and patreon.com slash poppunkproject. Not everybody at once, though. I mean, our email is just backed up at the moment. All the messages we're getting, it's a little too much. So maybe if you guys can do it one at a time, that would be best. I think Instagram's the best most popular place that people get in touch with us. I mean, that's actually true. Uh, I don't think I've tweeted in a while, but we do check them. The Instagram posts are just so easy to make. They are. They're just the best format in terms of what we want to share about each episode. But yeah, we check all of them. So, Love you, good Charlotte. Love you, Mike. Love you, Pop Punk Posse. Hope you had the time of your lives. And good riddance. what it was like when we were together i don't know yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it feels like the great houdini all over again (laughs) which i think was also about a summer fling wasn't it (laughs) 
I think I think it was. Uh, wait, just let me say the one line so we can move on. What line? 